Welcome back to Timely, the podcast where three friends talk about random, fun topics from the past, present, and future. I'm John Stom, and for the past segment, I'm going to be telling you guys a little story about the secret person who was in the most VAT-19 videos ever. Huh? Oh. Oh? Is, is this unknown to us? We'll see. <laughs> okay. Huh. Um, I'm Danny Gula, and for the present topic, we're going to be discussing... Are drones too deadly? <laughs> Ooh. Ah. What? Are I mean, they deadly? Well, we'll get there. All right. Okay. <laughs> and I'm producer Jeff McCullough, and I am going to be talking about how our world will never be the same. Hmm. That's true. It's true. We, wow. need to, we need to talk about it. We do. So the one thing I'm noticing about all of our little teasers as we're getting into this, we're kind of becoming like news people. Are drones too deadly? We'll find out tonight. <laughs> the world will never be the same. Yeah. What's cool about this podcast is that none of us know what topics the other people brought. So it's literally a surprise to all of us and to you guys. So this that ain't fake. It ain't fake. And no. you know what surprises? You can't wait for surprises. Let's do it. Let's just jump into it. Let's okay. go backwards. You did it. We're going to the past. Welcome to the past, gentlemen. All right, so you guys actually do know this person. You know this person really well, um, especially Jeff. Oh, <laughs> am, am I well acquainted with this person? You're well acquainted with this person. The person who is, has been in the most Vat 19 videos, it's Jeff. Oh, yeah. Yep, this is true. That's, that's true. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if you've been following the story of Randomonium, we just recently, in the last couple months, um, went full-time with our jobs here. So we work full-time for VAT-19. We, we own this company, and we're making the videos that we want to make. And VAT-19 is a place that we worked at for, well, I was there for 12 years. I was there for a six. long time. Six years, yeah, Danny. So uh, we made tons of videos there. And it was a great place. You know, it was a great place to work. We, we, I, we've done so many different kinds of videos there. It was just awesome to be able to um, like experiment and try different things. So back in 2008, let's rewind all the way back to when I started there. Mm-hmm. July of 2008. I remember you taught you. Do you remember a phone conversation you and I had before you were even hired? Yes. You were considering the job. I remember where I was. I was sitting in my guest bedroom and you were talking to me. You're like, hey, I remember where I was. I was yeah, I was in my brother's bedroom back home because I had come back from college. Yeah. So where, I'm a, I'm where a, was I? I, I don't I don't know. So we, so I'm a, I'm a few years older than these guys. So they're like I had just a little bit more space between college and I had a little bit more time in career. And so you're just looking for some advice mm-hmm. and you're kind of like, should I do this? It's kind of a weird company. This is a I'm weird not, company. Not sure what they're about. Yeah. And I remember what I said to you. Mm-hmm. I was like, why not? Like, yeah. even if this is just for a year or two, it's yeah. not going to hurt for you just to like get some experience and whatnot. And you're like, okay. Yeah. I'd- so, 12 years later. 12 years later, I was still there. It was a little like when you started, I I think I literally said to somebody, probably not you because I would have felt bad saying it to you, but like, what is he doing? Well, it was like YouTube was only two years old. YouTube was a baby. And that was the hardest part, honestly. Like, yeah, this is sort of a a tangent. But when I I had just met my now wife, we were just dating back then. And I had to explain to her dad, (laughs) I remember the conversation, like, 
here's what I do for a living. <laughs> Not only do I say like I kind of work for YouTube, yeah. like that. I mean, I yeah. don't, but you know, that's right. I make YouTube videos, and he was sort of like, "What?" And I was like, "Yeah, they're goofy products, and we try to make them silly. It's a weird thing to talk about." So anyway, uh, the fall of 2008. So just I had been there just a little bit of time. Um, Set the scene. Times were changing, and we were just about to elect our first black president. Yes, that is true. This was. Uh, thank you for setting the stage. Thank you, thank you, NPR. Yeah. So sometime around September or October of 2008, before, right before we elected Barack Obama, Bat 19 wasn't even really advertising on YouTube. We were just making videos, putting them on YouTube for hosting, and then putting them on our website. Right. Um, my boss at Bat 19, Jamie, came to me and said, "Hey, we want to start running some." videos um as commercials we want to create some commercials on tv and so i can't remember actually i'm not going to fully take credit for this i think i came up with the idea for a jingle mm -hmm. at the end of these little tv commercials it could have been jamie so jamie if you're listening I'm, i don't want to steal the credit and so do you guys remember at the time there was a very popular series of commercials for Expedia. Yep. Expedia was like an online uh, travel website where you can book your flights and right. hotels and stuff. So they had a very memorable jingle that went like this. Expedia. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. It just it was like overly kind of like silly and dramatic and like, you know, it was just perfect for their brand and very memorable. So that was probably in my head. And I, I remember going to lunch one day um, at work and I kind of like was playing around with different melodies in my mind and I came back to my desk and I pulled out a little keyboard and like messed around with some different melodies and I recorded what is the first like rough draft of the VAT 19 jingle mm -hmm. so if you listening are a fan of VAT 19 you know the jingle it's been in every video since 2008 so this is the first draft and I don't think anybody publicly has heard this yet. So you recorded this pretty much at your desk at work at VAT19 within a couple months of you working there. Yeah, this is probably September or um, maybe October of 2008. Nice. VAT19.com Nice. <laughs> so, burp. the tuba? Was that a tuba? <laughs> I think, yeah, saxophone maybe. Burp, just, burp, it was computer instruments. Yeah, so. where'd you get those sounds from? So that was just on GarageBand, which okay. is, you know, just free software on a Mac and right. um, just me kind of banging out the the melody and just singing on top of it really poorly wasn't intending for this to be the final version because i knew that i'm not a singer it, but it would get the point across to someone who uh could actually sing it right um but also a little fun fact the instruments that you're just talking about the little tuba or saxophone or whatever mm -hmm. it is that is actually still in the final version so those little instruments um were mixed into the final version the vocals are totally different but you'll hear those interesting those real instruments um, from that that rough same, draft. The same recording. Same recording. Uh -huh. Yeah. So here's the rough draft one more time. That19.com. Okay. So after I recorded that rough draft and I and I showed Jamie, he was like, "Okay, that sounds cool. Like we need to get you know somebody to actually sing this." I was like, "Yeah, that, that sounds like a good idea." <laughs> um, <laughs> Not so subtle. <laughs> no, that's, no, that's good and all, he but probably um, didn't, he probably didn't say that. But he should have. So um, even in 2008, uh, I was still playing in a band back then, and you guys in this room were also in that band. Yeah. Um, and another person that you guys are listening might know, Joey from Vat 19, was also in that band. He was the singer, um, and he actually didn't work at Vat 19 at the time. It was still just me there. But 
I thought, hey, well, Joey sings. Let me just send this rough draft to him and see if he'll you know, do a better version of it. Well, he was, um, like I said, not working at VAT19 yet. He was doing like home renovation construction work with his dad at the time. And so he like he didn't have time to do it. But there's another singer in our band. <laughs> producer jeff yeah mm-hmm. so jeff was the uh, other singer in our in our band growing up and so i said hey uh, i need somebody to sing this can you do it and yeah and i remember you i remember you telling me about it and i'm like yeah it's not a big deal i mean you know what you know what you said what did i say i found it are you serious yep here's an email from november 3rd 2008 oh my god election day <laughs> oh <clears throat> hang on let me set the tone wait hold on was this election day i don't know what, actually what day of the is that a tuesday i don't know it just says november 3rd Monday. It's the day okay. before election day. So it was election day eve when we were about to elect our first black president. That's correct. I just found this email literally today from November 3rd, 2008. What? It's the day before the election. That's just, just weird timing. Um, it says, hey, Jeff, I've attached a really rough, crappy version of the VAT-19 jingle I wrote. Feel free to work your magic as far as harmonies go. Only two requirements. Has to be under two and a half seconds, preferably close to two. If you can, turn down the goofy, which is, uh, you know, <laughs> running wild in my version. Right. Um, and don't worry about the horns. I'll add those in. <laughs> I had to have my horns for some reason. It's amazing that you have this. I know. Then you said, so it took you um, a couple days to get back to me. And then you said, I was on furniture moving duty all night, picking up cribs and dressers at Babies R Us. Oh, this was like two weeks before my first kid was born. So I'm not completely done with the recordings. I'll call your boss in the morning and I'll send you the final drafts in the afternoon. Again, I'm really sorry. So you were, yeah, you were right, right before Alexis was born. Yeah, this is like literally two weeks before she was born. Yeah. Also, he was probably just like taking in the fact that we had just elected our first <laughs> black president. Yeah, the, yeah, that too, that too. <laughs> and he was buying cribs at Babies R Us for that? No, he was just like, it just took him a while to okay. take it all to him because like, you know, okay. it's a historic moment. Yes. Okay. Okay. So then you sent me the files and this is file number one. You said this is normal, sort of goofy. That19.com. Okay. Yeah. Pretty normal. <laughs> pretty straightforward. It's got, so, a little, got a little goofy to it. Yeah. A little, some square harmonies and then just a nice punch at the end. Yeah. It's punchy. It's actually reminiscent of that Expedia commercial. It is very much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can really hear the influence there. I yeah. think I probably had given you that, um, you know, inspiration. As a reference, yeah. Yeah. Okay, here's file number two. You say it's the same as the first one with an added harmony. Vat19.com. Okay. So you threw another harmony. A L- little more 19. barbershop. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, here's file number three. Um, same as the first one, but not as goofy of a dot com. Vat19.com. So a okay. little more, yeah, a little more straight ahead uh-huh. dot okay. com, like kind of more uh, confident or something. Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't, I was doing kind of in the first one, like a dot com. Right. Well, this one was more of a dot com. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder when we start elongating the dot com. That's the question I Oh, have. you're, oh, you're going to get there. there. You're getting there. It's a journey. Okay. Yep. Now, file number four, same as the first one with the variation of the dot com. That 19 dot com. Oh, there it is. That's starting to That's sound starting to sound close. Yeah. Right? That dot com you recognize. Uh-huh. And then here is the final file, a slower, more deliberate version. That19.com. Interesting. So I, yeah. oh, you so see you, what happened you, there. You mixed and matched. I took the slower, more deliberate version of VAT19. Uh-huh. Which is here. VAT19. That, and then uh-huh. mixed it with your you know, more um, slower, more deliberate dot com, which is this. Dot com. Yeah. Yeah. So I played all those versions for Jamie and uh, we tried some things, mixing and matching some of the different versions and we got the final version with 
those horns. That19.com. Interesting. You know, I don't know if I've totally known all this time after the billions of times it's been played that those horns are still in there. They're it kind still of, in there, it baby. slipped past me. Yep. That's wow. pretty unbelievable. And little did I know when you asked me to do this that it was going to be heard literally billions of times. Let's let's check how many times roughly it's been played. Which is hilarious to me. So the time of this recording, Vat19 has 6.5 billion views on YouTube. That is ridiculous. So it's been multiple billions. Not every one of those videos has a jingle. There were, you know, like I said, I started in 2008 and there were a few videos before that that mm -hmm. don't have the jingle, but those videos don't really have a lot of views either. So it's pretty it's, safe to say 6.5 billion times. That's pretty There's been I'm at least multiples of billions. And it is, it is pretty fun for me because like I've always been, ever since I've known you guys, I've always been the behind the scenes guys like i'm pulling the levers behind the curtain while you guys are you know doing the magic right like whether we were in the band or even with some of the stuff that we've done with the business so it's just it's hilarious for me whenever we go out and you guys are clearly recognizable and i love pulling out the be oh yeah you like john and danny well i've been in more event 19 videos in both of them what? <laughs> do, you, do you want a picture with me yeah, yeah right <laughs> Yeah, I've I have had whenever I've I've dropped that just to be funny with people, they'll be like, "Oh yeah, sing it, sing it for me." So then I'll sing it, and they'll be like, "Yeah, I'm not hearing it." Yeah. <laughs> well, well it's like I don't have six harmonies yeah, with yeah, it. Yeah, exactly, and some horns. It is yeah. hard to hear without the harmonies. Yeah, and you know what? Something else I didn't plan on being like almost part of the jingle is the little the click. click. Yeah, the mouse click. Whenever kids come on tours to Vat 19 and they sing the jingle, it's just kind of a fun thing they do. They always do the mouse click because it's kind of it's almost like a little button on the My end of it. My two year old. We'll sing the Vet 19 jingle, and when he's done, go. You know what? That's not just a sound effect, like a stock mouse click. I actually went into the recording booth and took a mouse and nice. put it up to the microphone and clicked Good for it. you. Do you remember what kind of mouse? It was a Vet 19 product. We used to sell this little mouse that was. Oh I mean, yeah, it wasn't the one that had like a fish in it or something. It had like liquid inside. It was clear and it had. It was almost like a fish tank. That it seems had like, like a bad idea. <laughs> it's like, hey, get this piece of electronics. Let's fill it with liquid. <laughs> That's awesome. Hey, thanks for taking that stroll down memory lane. That yeah. was that was fun. It was a fun collaboration. Even though we left at 19, um, and that's that's a fun you know chapter of our lives that is now uh, past for us. That jingle will live on. Oh yeah. Into the present. See where I'm going with this? Let's see what you're doing there. There. Okay, let's go to the present. Okay, gentlemen. We've got some experience with drones. We do. We've made videos for drones. We have one that we use for camera work. Let's, it's safe to say that drones are part of our everyday life and they're going to get used more and more. They're getting used for delivery. I just heard today that Walmart now is testing delivery with drones. That just makes sense. I'm excited for those days. Yeah. Because they're electric. You know, they don't require gas. Like all these gas guzzling, like giant UPS trucks cruising around just because you want to get like a different pair of socks that didn't quite fit you. So you send them back to Amazon. Like we are destroying the planet with yeah. all of this free two-day shipping stuff. When the roads aren't meant to handle all the truck driving that's going on right now either. So mm -hmm. that's been a huge problem. We, well, talked, we talked about drones in a recent podcast and I made an assertion that I will repeat. And that is that I think that drone technology is some of the most underrated advancements in technology that that we are currently experiencing well, fully fully agreed well let's see if you still feel that way uh -oh. after this okay the united kingdom has developed a new drone devoted strictly to battlefield combat now i know what you're saying like oh don't we have drones no we have uavs right now 
Okay. Those aren't drones? And we, Un- those, those are not drones. Those are just fly, those are things that fly. These, we're talking like a true copter that is imagining like what we all fly for funsies right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and a, U- a UAV is an unmanned aerial vehicle. That is okay. true. That's right. It's uh, a plane with no pilot. Okay, so that's why in Call of Duty, our UAV is online. Uh-huh. That's yeah. what that is. You're Got getting, it. Got you're it. getting it. Yep. So, uh, this drone uses sensors and machine vision technology to detect targets, and once located, it can blast away the target with twin shotguns. Oh, so this is more calculated. It's it's a it's a hexacopter, so it's. It's built with six blades on it, and it flies. And the, the interesting thing about this is it's designed specifically for urban combat. Now, this is a big problem. Now, we've flown drones inside before. We've made commercials with them. What's the problem we have when we start getting too close to walls or anything? I mean, it runs into them. Yeah, or like it starts blowing wind around. They get unpredictable. Yeah, the draft throws it off balance. Apparently, the wor- the term is wall suck. Hmm. Okay. Which is when, I guess, the the walls... That's, uh, that's what I call Walmart. <laughs> Aw. Or Walmart... I mean, you feel sorry for Walmart? No, no, we feel sorry for Walmart. Um, so they're developing this new technology designed to help soldiers breach urban environments, which means like getting through the doors. It's mm-hmm. the most dangerous part of any yeah, absolutely. job, which you're in that field is just going into a door. So the concept would be they breach the door with some charges and this drone just flies in faster than anybody can. And because it does everything automatically, it's not relying on a person to say like this is a target this is this this is this it can just quickly identify things and then so is this military or law enforcement military because i mean law enforcement we've had this conversation recently in just the social dialogue because of the whole idea of no knock warrants where police can just kind of bust in and they do that to protect themselves because if they knock that actually makes them a target for whoever's inside yeah there's a local police officer here when we were in high school who uh, is permanently maimed in his face can't see basically has no face because he got shot through a door. Mm-hmm. So this is something for military raids, though. But I wonder if it's something they would ever adopt for law enforcement. Considering the amount of military gear the current law enforcement uses, I wouldn't see it as um, unlikely. But given the current climate and talk about restructuring our police and rethinking what they are, it, you know, I think it's kind of up in the air whether or not this technology gets there. But that's kind of the question I want to get at is, is this too much? Before we get there, it also has the ability to basically be a battering ram to knock other drones and UAVs out of the sky. So a lot of drones are used in warfare just to hover around and get pictures and stuff and like keep eye on stuff. But it's really hard for a pilot, a person to actually see that because drones are so fast and so able to quickly maneuver quicker than we can respond that this thing just does it all automatically. It finds it, runs into it, knocks it out of the sky. But so I, first of all, it's unbelievable that you can mount shotguns. I don't know if you've ever, if anybody listening has ever shot a shotgun. There's a lot of force behind a shotgun. Yeah. And this thing can just hover around in the sky and has two of them. Wow. That's uh, that's scary. That's frightening. You guys remember the movie uh, RoboCop? I do. Right? Yeah. It, that's, that sounds like that type of technology. Like yeah. these crazy armored, like weaponized machines. Yeah. But that's the question I have for you is when is it too much? Now we have computers starting to determine what is a threat, what is not, making the decision. Now we can't have... Now one of the problems we're having in policing right now is... Are we making that call justified? So, do you? When do you think it's too much? Do you think this is good technology, or do you think this is bad technology? I guess I, I think it's a good thing in theory, and that, I'm sure that's where everyone's coming from. That's developing this. It's like this could save lives because you know the robot goes in first. It's it's not like a uh, danger to be knocking on this door uh, because if you know for whatever reason it gets damaged or destroyed, at least it's not a life lost. Right. Um, versus you know the SWAT team pounding the door in or or whatever or the military. 
Um, and potentially those first few guys who have to go in, they, they don't know what's on the other side of the door. So that's a good thing. I just don't know why it has to be fully automated. Why can't it be controlled by a pilot? Well, there are remote pilots and things like that, but the point is, is like it's developing systems to think quicker. And now it does say that there is supposed to be some sort of like confirmation system, like confirm enemies engage. Like there's there's a step there, but given the fact that this thing has the ability right now to make decisions without a human doing it and to to figure it out like i mean i'm sure there's some sort of system where there's always a pilot there saying enable this mode do this do this but it does beg the question because you can say like yeah it does save lives it also makes the whole system a lot more quick and easy to be aggressive to get in there so it's saving lives usually i mean it's loaded with shotguns it's not loaded with Mm -hmm. um it's not loaded with tasers so is it like i mean granted it's made for the military it's a war zone already so taking lives is assumed but like it's saving lives by taking them and we're in the i think the argument against it would be made like all we're doing is making a more efficient killing machine yeah Yeah, but my initial response was yeah this is a good thing because like we've talked about we're taking i mean just like with pilots right pilots are in less danger anymore because we do so many automated right um, strikes strikes yeah, and stuff dog like that. fights don't really happen anymore Right, right. But when it comes so when it comes to this, I'm thinking, yeah, I mean, this is how many um, veterans of Afghanistan and Iraq were injured, not just from roadside bombings, but like they're going through these urban right. environments sure and a lot. all these things are going on that they're just unpredictable. So from that standpoint, my initial reaction is like, yeah, this is a good thing. On the other hand, I think one thing that makes me a little nervous about it is especially in the video game era, like are you too far removed from reality controlling these things that it's a little too easy to pull the trigger? Mm-hmm. And then and then I kind of swing back again to the other side. It's like, well, we're already kind of dealing with issues of training individuals, maybe not so much in the military, but at least in law enforcement when it comes to being too trigger happy. So, I mean, to me, it comes down to, do, can, it pro, can it protect lives? Yes, but can it also put more lives at risk because it's, too easy to be removed from the reality of the situation. And that is a concern that th- has been raised by, like, I mean, if you think our UAV force is piloted out of, I think, Vegas, like, yeah. those people aren't even in the areas that they're that they're doing this stuff. So you have to wonder, like, there has been talk, like, there is a little bit of a disconnect sometimes with those people, and they have their own, um, they have their own therapies they have to go to, because they're, like, they're wrestling with, in their brains, like, it doesn't feel real, but I know I've killed a lot of people, um, like they're wrestling with that that feeling and that that's a weird emotional thing that I don't know if we're if we're mentally capable of, of handling this mm-hmm. is it's, it's yeah. uncharted territory you know like there are even discussions you know like I've talked to people who are sharpshooters snipers and like they're like yeah you know there's you, you even though you're disconnected from it like you know that's another person down there that you're pulling the trigger on sure um, and you have to come to grips with that yeah I it's a really that's a really tricky one I think Ultimately, if you could imagine a scenario where, like, let's say, like a hostage situation, you know, there's a person, a bad guy in a building with weapons and he's got potential to do harm. Like, the perfect scenario would be just to flip a switch and you could disable his gun, you know? Right. So, the closest thing you could come to that, like, the reason that's perfect is because no one has to go in and put themselves in harm's way to disarm his his bad guy uh, his bad guy weapons his bad guy yeah yeah so the closest thing we could come to that would be maybe sending in some kind of robot or something like that so i, I get that um man i, I don't know cuz it's it is cool uh, until the bad guys get that technology exactly <laughs> yeah like can they be hacked <laughs> yeah exactly so here's a, here's a thought i have too 
as amazing as drones are, as we have been talking about it, you can do so many things, whether it's, you know, shooting video or surveying, things like that, like mapping. Drones are just amazing. There is one downside that they have not yet fixed. And I experienced this at a wedding about a year ago. And yeah. that is everybody's sitting there at an outdoor wedding. Yeah. And it's like <laughs> such a distraction because you hear this <laughs> like above you. So they're loud. Uh -huh. yeah. Right. I think drones become even more dangerous when they can make stealth drones. Yes. Now, here's the thing is, is there's a reasonable argument to be made that we already have stealth helicopters. Like there's been enough people who have seen like now it's it is kind of a conspiracy theory because nobody will admit it but a lot of people are like yeah we've developed helicopters that are silent that's not that hard. like that's not outside the realm of possibility we have noise canceling headphones there's all kinds of, there's all kinds of theoretical ways in which you could do it so do, have they already done that with these things I don't, know. I don't know at that point you are getting into like sci-fi movies where all of a sudden you just see this robot just like floating in like mm -hmm. totally silent to do whatever the AI is wanting to do yeah and so I mean I think it's I don't think there's a yes or no answer to that like I think it's it's kind of like the heart is in the right place like these are soldiers out there the goal is like we're, we're trying out there to protect people we're trying to make places safer we're going in there to neutralize a threat we're not going in there to just like see like hey how's it going we're serving a search warrant but you have to determine like given how our world is is where do we start drawing that line right when does using this technology become an abuse of technology yeah I think right now it seems like a good idea but what will it turn into? I yeah. think that's that's where the questions need to be asked. Because to your point, many times, Danny, the robots will soon take over the world. <laughs> and when they do, they will. they will have drones weaponized with shotguns. We don't stand a chance. The only thing that's more likely is this is a simulation and none of it matters. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, well now we're blending into uh, theoretical futures, so I say... Um, we can take it to the future segment. I say we go there and see if these drones killed us all. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you'll know after this music break. <laughs> hey, before we move on, if you love the sound of this podcast, I'd love to tell you why it's been so great lately. It's um, it's crispy, as the YouTubers would say. Ooh, it's so crispy. Uh, we have a special thanks to say to Rode. Rode are manufacturers of great audio products. We use a lot of their stuff, and they sent us the Rodecaster Pro, which is an all-in-one podcasting solution, which is super easy to use, really great quality, and they also sent us a bunch of microphones and gear to make it all possible. So if you need a complete setup that's going to uh, take your podcast to the next level. This is probably the simplest and one of the best ways I've seen to do it. That's absolutely true. We're looking at it right now. It's right in the middle of the table in between us, and it looks really cool. Like it looks like a spaceship, you know, control panel, but don't let that intimidate you. It's not hard to use at all. There's literally just big buttons. One of them says record on it, and you press it. It's actually a really satisfying button to it press. Is turns red and you're rolling yeah uh we got mics that plug into it they're all color coded and i used a new feature last week with another podcast i was on a friend's podcast called casual dads so check that out uh if you haven't before it's a it's a fun podcast and i was on his podcast and got to call in it has a feature where you can connect a bluetooth device whether it's a phone you can hardwire it in and in this day of age where we have to do everything kind of remotely it's hands down the easiest way to have a remote guest on a podcast or to do a podcast remotely. That's right. And if you listening are interested in making a podcast, this makes it so easy to just plug in, hit record, and you're rolling. So check out the Roadcaster Pro. That's R-O-D-E, Roadcaster Pro, and get one now. Get started podcasting. It's super fun. Yeah. Available at roadcaster.com. 
Okay, guys, so we have lived through some things. Mm. We're getting to the age where we've lived through some things. Okay. Yeah, where we can safely say, I've been, I've seen some things. I've seen some I things. have seen some things. Do you guys remember what the world was like before September 11th? Yes. Oh, yeah. Vividly. It was different. It was different. It was so different. And it changed the world. And then we started, we started using terms we never used before, the war on terror, Al-Qaeda, Osama bin Laden. Um, we were introduced to a completely different world. Yeah. And the thing is about being the age that we are is we are now talking to young adults that weren't alive or don't remember the world before September 11th. And it's just strange because yeah. that was such a defining moment for us. Yeah. And the wild thing is, is that we are now currently living in that next big shift. Right. We've all been talking about how difficult 2020 has been, how it continues to be, how bananas it is just in general, all things considered. Mm -hmm. And this is a defining moment for us. And it's going to be a watermark year. And hopefully it's just a year. Hopefully it doesn't carry on into 2021. Yeah. Yeah. It probably will in some sense. But like we are living through a world changing moment that kids today are going to look back on and say, oh, do you remember the world before COVID-19. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's funny because as soon as you said, do you remember how it felt on September 11th and stuff? I was kind of um, processing my, or remembering my feelings and like, it actually seems a little bit like uh, March or April of this year when we came home from work and everybody was sort of going on lockdown. Right. I'm sure not everyone has the same, had the same reaction to the pandemic, but I remember for us, it was like, man, I don't want to touch the the gas pump. Mm -hmm. I don't want to like touch a door handle. Yeah. Like, I could get sick. I could die. Like, how serious is this thing? Like, are people just where is this going? It, it yeah. felt a little bit like um, yeah, the same sense of vulnerability, right? And you just wanted to lock up in your house. I remember just thinking, okay, family, let's just close the doors. We'll, down. We'll order the groceries. Right. We're not going to leave for a month. Yeah, we didn't know what it was like. We didn't know much about the virus at that point. I remember the first time going to the grocery store after I had been locked down for a couple of weeks, and it was just like. Just taking deep breaths and calming my anxiety and just feeling okay. So yeah, we went into a phase that nobody alive, as far as we know, had ever experienced. Like quarantining, locking down. Right. Yeah. It was it was unprecedented. Mm -hmm. And it still is to a certain extent. But here's the question I want to kind of propose. And I ran across an article that was talking about this. And that is, how has the world been forever altered? based on what we've walked through over the past six months. Ooh. And I found this article from, uh, it was an interview with a economic expert from a university in Florida. And there were a few things that they were talking about that I kind of want to throw at you, how th things that have always been will never be the same. And I also want to talk about other ideas of how we think the world is not going to go back to quote unquote normal. There's a new normal now. So here's the first thing. Um, the shutting down of the economy, which technically when it came to like we're, we're still shut down in certain ways like restaurants and bars and places like that entertainment venues there are things that are still not totally recovered but the whole idea of it clapping down so quickly yeah economic uh, experts are saying that it's going to be years and maybe decades for us to recover from that so yeah. we're dealing with a different economy yep um here's another thing tourism and hospitality um, are going to take a incredibly long time to recover. Yeah, I, bet. I don't know if you just saw last week, but Disney has laid off Disney parks like twenty eight thousand workers, and that whole mass crowd experience, Six Flags, uh -huh. yeah. concerts, movie theaters, yeah. and stuff like that. Science centers. This was the first year my daughter was 
big enough to ride everything at Six Flags, and we were so looking forward to going, and we didn't go. Which they'll open back up, and they are open right now, right? But it's going to be much different. It's, there's not going to be this like mass, yeah, like gathering of people shoulder to shoulder. Yeah, there's all kinds of um, apprehension. I mean, I feel like. I don't really want to go to those places. So I'm sure there's tons of people that are just like, yeah, you know what? We'll wait till next year. Sure. And so I'm sure, yeah, they're open and mm-hmm. there's people that are going and they're probably being relatively safe. But like the amount of, you know, crowds and profits and everything that they expected, those companies that they've built their whole businesses on for decades, like that's just totally tanked. And it's not just that they're like injured, but they're not going to come back. Meaning yep. the Disney experience is going to be different now. Because the way you stand in line is going to be different. The way you have to like sanitize is going to be different. The amount of even workers at Disney World that are interacting with and touching other people is going to be different. It is not going to be the way it was before. This is one that's interesting. I in March or April, I I made this claim with my finger pointed to the sky. Uh I believe I hereby claim that this will be the end to the shopping mall. Mm. My whole thought there was like so many people are going to be forced to online shop that there's no way that malls can recover. And I remember the last several Christmases. So every Christmas, I remember noting the decline in the number of cars packing the mall parking lot. Yeah. Yeah. So I remember six years ago, it was just swamped. I mean, the traffic was terrible getting through there so I could get to work. Five years ago, a little bit less, four less, three less. And so every year, even like a couple years ago, there was hardly anybody there. Here's the interesting thing. This economic expert is actually claiming that this has thrown malls a lifeline. Right. And what? the reasoning here is small retailers are were unable. They didn't have the margin to survive oh. this. So it's going to shut down all the small retailers and give a lifeline to malls and large retailers. Ugh. Now, they're still going to be dealing with online shopping issues but that people are going to be forced to go to these larger, more stable companies that were able to more stably maneuver through the pandemic. This is an interesting one. Commercial real estate is going to falter because everybody can realize I can actually run a business digitally, (laughs) virtually with even my employees, but residential properties are going to skyrocket because people are going to put a greater value on their homes being that if something like this happens again, they need to make sure they're in a home, a home they've invested in that is sure. going to help them walk through something like this again. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Like they want either a bigger house, a nicer house. They want to be, you want to be happy where you're living. Your house kind of becomes your work and your home and your, you know, it's your fortress. It's, you got to make sure it's safe and protected and you own it. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, houses in my neighborhood have gone up for sale and sold within weeks. Mm-hmm. So here, there's a few more. This is no longer in the article, but it's stuff that we can even talk about. Just a few things that I'm thinking, and I've even heard people talk about how it's never going to be the same. I remember for years now, you watch the news and you would always see like Asian countries with people walking around wearing masks. And we were all, we always kind of like, why is that? Yeah. Like I, they have more concentrated populations. So are I they, guess are they all sick sense. all the time? Yeah, exactly. It's Everybody like, always said, oh, it's because the air quality is so bad there. Yeah, or like they're just more hypochondriacs than we are. Right. But there are, I think it's widely accepted now that we will in our lifetime forever see masks presence in some form. I'm actually really glad I'm about so that I'm so happy one. for that. I, I've been saying that one since the beginning of this pandemic. I'm like, a lot of people, there was a lot of pushback with the masks and people- There was. <laughs> there is a lot of pushback with the masks. A lot of people don't really you know, fully embrace it. But I would say the majority, the vast majority of the people get it and are abiding by the, the rules and the guidelines and the, the laws and stuff. And I, 
I think it's I think the increase of um, mask wearing is a good thing. Um, once we even get past this pandemic, because if you got a little snivel, you got a little you think you might be sick or whatever, right. throw a mask on. Just put a yeah. mask on. And people won't look at you weird. Like, what's yeah. wrong with that person? Because right. I remember in seventh grade, my 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 seventh grade math teacher wore a mask during the winter months. And I thought she was the strangest person on the planet. Like, what is wrong with you? Yeah. Like, come on, we're fine. She was just not wanting to get sick or get other people sick. Yeah, so this is 25 years ago. So yeah. It, it kind of makes sense now why she would want to do that. And the well, cool thing is, like, we've now like normalized it to the to the place where other companies are making cool, fashionable masks. Mm -hmm. right. Where and if you remember, just several months ago, the only masks you could get were the surgical ones. So yeah. you looked like, yeah, you looked, you looked like, like you were, Bane. <laughs> right, you looked like Bane, or you looked like you're a doctor, you or looked you, like you were sick, or yeah, uh, it, it kind of reminds people of sickness if yeah. you're wearing like a doctor's right. mask. But if you're wearing a cool mask with a logo or a team or whatever on it, like it's just fine. I, yeah. I, I saw somebody, I think it was Andrew Huang, um, YouTuber. Um, said something on Twitter, I think, that was like, just get over it. Masks are basically like sunglasses for your mouth and nose. Like, yeah. they look, they actually look kind of cool. Like, and sort of like a ninja. Cool. Or, they're yeah. no longer a sign of sickness. Now they're a sign of health. That's yeah. one thing that the pandemic has done. It's like, oh, if you're wearing a mask, it's because you're advocating health. for health, not oh, because you're. That's, yeah. a good, that's a good point. And remember, we, like, it, like, I remember this from years and years and years and years ago, going to the doctor's office, there'd always be a box of masks and it'd say, if you're sick, put a mask on. And it's the same, re like, people are having the hardest time understanding this. Some people are that, like, the mask isn't to protect you, the mask is to protect everybody else. The doctors knew that then. And they put that out, but now like that won't even be a question. If you have a cold and you go to the doctor, you're going to put a mask on. Like, yeah. you're going to do that. And the the Asian countries, they were just they never they didn't want to be responsible for getting somebody else what they had, so they'd put a mask on. If you had a sniffle, it's like that's just smart. Just consider it's just yeah, consider it. It's caring, and I'm really grateful for that change. This next one is something that I've heard John talk about quite a bit because he's an advocate for this. But we have potentially seen the end. Of the handshake. handshake. Yeah, I knew you were going to say it. <laughs> Which is weird because, I mean, that's just how yeah. people greet one another. Yeah. In fact, I was just uh, at, I've done, I've been at a few weddings and funerals over the past few months. And it's just, that's a place where you would, you know, naturally shake a hand or give someone a hug. And it's just, you realize how much you do it when you're in a situation like that and you feel compelled to just that reflex of, oh, I'm going to shake this person's hand or I'm going to give this person a hug. Yep. And when you don't, you realize how often we are compelled to do that. All oh, the yeah. time. It was, it's just built into Western society. Just grab, grab another hand that you don't know exactly where it's been. And, and I think we should adopt a Japanese bow. I, oh, I, I yeah. Agree. I'm into I that. Agree. Yeah. I read that a little while ago too. Somebody proposed that same idea. I was like, yeah, you know what? That makes a you lot just, of sense. Hey. It's respectful. It's respectful. It's honestly probably more respectful than a handshake. Yeah, it absolutely. seems like, hey, you know what? Well, the handshake came from checking people for weapons. That was the point of the handshake. Pull them close? No, it was like it was like a night thing. And so you're checking literally for things up the sleeve. Like it's the it's the handshake that goes like further up. Up like the elbow. You're literally just checking, like, hey, like I'm it's an informal, non-trustworthy greeting. And that's become like a it's a pleasure to meet you and then we would determine how much of a man you were by how hard you shook their hand oh yeah man i i love squeezing people's hands oh hard. i hate that made when, me feel tough when whenever <laughs> whenever some man crushes my hand in the handshake i'm like how insecure is this guy yeah yeah i don't do that um <laughs> yeah the, re the 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 moment that i got really i don't know grossed out weirded out by handshakes and just touching other people's hands i've told you guys this story before Ugh. but i was at the bowling alley which is 
notoriously just germ city. I, Icky. Yeah, I don't even know if bowling alleys are going to recover from this pandemic. They're just they're just gross. But I was at a bowling alley. I went into the bathroom and I saw a guy come out of the stall. So, you know, probably going number two. Yeah. Didn't wash his hands. Walked yeah. straight out the door. Uh, you know, after I was done, washed my hands. I went out, went back to my lane at the bowling alley. Well, it turns out this guy was in the lane right next to me so I could see him. So this guy just picks up a ball and just keeps playing, gross. keeps keeps bowling. It's not good, man. That's so gross. I got so grossed out by that. And then I just started thinking about shaking people's hands. And like, I'm not a person that's just overly sensitive to germs. Like, I'd say I'm pretty normal with that. But that really was, yeah. Ugh. Well, it's just going to be... And it's going to be on our minds now. Whereas before, you didn't think about it. You'd no. grab a door handle, you'd shake a hand, whatever. You just wouldn't even think about it. You hear somebody sneeze, and you're like, okay, whatever. But anymore, like, this is, in a way, like you could say, it, like, traumatized us uh-huh. yeah. to the point that we're going to be triggered anytime we're in an environment where that personal space is compromised. And that's going to be different, at least for a generation. We also need to adopt the, instead of the push door handle with your hands, the foot ones. Oh yeah, that'd be good. Those are much better. Those are great. With the um, pokes, yeah. Another one is the education system. Mm. Schools have always been so rigid. Like this is how we do school. This is when you're there. This is how we do our classes. They have been forced to be more flexible or even now, you know, kids have the, they're able to opt in or opt out of doing it virtually. They're perfecting, they're being forced to evolve technologically. So where they can have a blended classroom of both in-person students and virtual students, like this is actually one of the positive impacts of this, that it's kind of forcing the education system to make some advancements so that it's not quite so rigid yeah. and stuck in the past. Yeah, it's been I, stuck in the 1800s. Yeah. Yeah. I hope that sticks around because think about the impact that could make on students who have to miss school. The fact that they're so, like, because before, like, if you were sick for a week, man, your mom had to go to school every day, pick up a packet of all the stuff you missed. Your mom would sit there and try to explain to you what you were supposed to be learning. And, you know, I've been through this as a parent too already. Mm-hmm. And you're sitting here with all these sheets trying to do it versus just being like, hey, you could stream the teacher who streamed the lesson as she was there. Mm-hmm. So these are all things that even if we get a vaccine, which isn't going to just zap cure everybody. That's something that's going to be rolled out in phases. It's going to take a while for everybody to get vaccinated. So we're going to be dealing with a lot of these things for a while. But even after a vaccine, so much of this has impacted the world that they're not going to go back to the way it was before. Yeah. And I, yeah, I kind of got sick of people saying like, I just want this to go back to normal or the back to the way it was. That's not happening. You got to let that go. There's a new normal. And I, I think a lot of it's going to be for the better. I, I agree. And, and that this is even the case because this is possible that they don't find a vaccine for a year, five years, 10 years, or ever, there is a chance that this is going to be a um, social malady that we're gonna have to maneuver through and deal with. It's Now we're gonna get better and better. You know, humans are good at adapting. So we will adapt and we'll figure out ways to like make it happen as we've had over the past six months. But the chance does exist that this is going to be like the flu, right? We get a flu vaccine, everybody gets a flu shot, at least we're supposed to every flu season and yet we have to keep getting them because the, the virus changes, changes. Yeah. so there's a chance that we're going to be dealing with this indefinitely and it's going to require ongoing adaptation which is just a strange thought because mm-hmm. little did we know in january of this year that we were going to be living through something that will forever change yeah. our lives well and since this is new once we figure out how to handle this virus that if we do have to live with it we just have to learn to live with it in a way that is functional like we have other viruses it it won't be that big of a deal but there's really big benefits to that like the southern hemisphere that's already been through the flu season 
the amount of flu cases they have is drastically lower. Because there's social distancing. Because everybody's social distancing. Now, while we are in extreme measures and this is unsustainable, we can't stay this way forever. We are learning and we're learning how to open up a little bit more every day, be safer. As long as people comply with the things, it goes well. When it doesn't, it goes poorly. So right. as long as we can continue to figure out how to adapt and change the future, like there's going to be so many more things like people, less people are going to die of the flu. Less people are going to die of whatever. Right. That's the hope at least. Yep. It's a brave new world. It is. So, I mean, it's just, it's so easy for us to kind of get stuck in the moment, like how things are because it's been so intense for so many different reasons. But it, it, interestingly enough, as I was researching this topic, I wasn't finding a ton out there on what people are saying about how this is going to affect the future. Hmm which I think goes to show how consumed we are with the moment and what yeah. we're walking through right now. Yeah. But there is yeah. no doubt that this is going to affect our future. Oh, yep. hands down. Yeah. Hey, it, I, I am optimistic. Like, um, I know, like, you, you can't be silly. We, it's, we're a ways off. Even if we get the vaccine, like, this month, which they're saying it could happen, like, they're like, hey, we got it approved. The, here's the thing I didn't know. Do you know they haven't tested it on any kids yet? Kids won't be getting it until well into next year. Yeah. Like, because they have to go through their own testing after they figure out that. Like, so like we are a ways off, but that being said, things are improving. One thing that I'm, I'm, I'm liking that I'm seeing this is that we obviously are not handling it perfectly, but where we're getting better at it is there's less motivation out of fear as it is out of responsibility. Yeah. So in March, when everything shut down, everybody was freaking out and yeah. everybody was horrified and terrified. Like you're saying, you're having mm -hmm. to do breathing exercises to go to the grocery store because it was terrifying. We right? had no clue. And we didn't know what the numbers were gonna be like if we went back to normal. So now I think as we're gauging a little bit more accurately, accurately the way things are, the thing that I'm appreciating is that we're now making decisions based on how can we be responsible and care for others as opposed to we're freaking out and afraid. Right. Right. Yeah. And we know like I'm not like I'm not afraid to go out and catch it. Like I don't put on my mask, make sure it's sealed so that I don't get it. I more think about when I go out, how do I make sure I don't give this to somebody else right. if I've got it? It's yeah. Our I mean, I just think about our kids, like how their whole careers are gonna be different mm -hmm. because, you know, maybe they won't be commuting, maybe they'll be working from home a lot. I mean, it's just like so many things have been drastically uh, I wouldn't even say changed because a lot of these things, I mean, well changed, but I wouldn't even necessarily say a lot of those things were unforeseen. It's almost like a made a lot of those changes m happen much more rapidly. Yeah. Um, like Ubering, like people don't ride with an Uber driver anymore. So that's accelerating the need for self-driving cars. Sure. Because people don't want to get into cars with Uber drivers. Right. right. Um, yeah. It's, it's also accelerating the purchases of e-bikes. People are getting out there and doing other things. Like people are like, oh, I can't do this and I need to be more green. Like, so the, yeah, there's all kinds of things that are happening that we're kind of on the horizon is like maybe possibilities and stuff that are just happening much more quickly. And a lot of them are positive, like closing down giant parking lots because we don't need that much office space anymore. Right. Yeah. So things things are good, um, even though they seem really bleak in the moment. I think the, the horizon is potentially, the new normal is potentially good. Yeah. Do you know what else I think has altered the future forever? What? This podcast. It's true. Because really now that is. it is in the world, I think it's going to change people's lives for the better. This podcast is good medicine. Yes. For the heart. And the brain. Yeah. You, you learn a little bit. You do. And you get entertained a little bit. I didn't yeah. know about the Great Emu War of 1932 before our previous podcast. I didn't oh. either. I did. Well, you know everything. <laughs> it's, a, it's a curse. Hey, we want to remind people, um, and we always do this at the end of the podcast, and we always say we're going to do it at the beginning of the podcast, and then we don't, but we're just going to do it at the end of the podcast. 
Will you give us a good review? Maybe five stars? Hey, if you like this episode, it makes sense to give it five stars. Yeah. yeah. I would give this episode five stars. I would. Also, you know you can support everything that we're doing for Timely, the Randomonium podcast, or Randomonium, the YouTube channel on Patreon. That's right. Patreon is kind of our place where we give extra benefits to a select few members of a club. So we give behind-the-scenes videos that are only seen on Patreon. We also give out discount codes for our merch so you can get our merchandise a little cheaper. Um, there's all kinds of fun stuff there and it's only for the people that are part of our membership club on Patreon. And in exchange, that helps, the membership there helps us do all the fun things that we want to do, including yep. this podcast. Yeah, and not only that, we've also offered some like exclusives like unreleased podcasts. And we do polls on Patreon. So we might ask ahead of time, like, hey, we're going to be talking about, you know, for example, things in the future that are going to change, like like the topic today. Mm-hmm. Things things in the future that are going to be changed by the pandemic. And we might ask our patrons, our members there, um, what are some other things that you want, you know, that you think are changed because of the pandemic? And then we might quote you in the podcast if you Point. give us a, an interesting thing to talk about. Point being, we don't want you just to be entertained and educated. We want you to be involved. We want yes. you to be engaged. Yes. And we want to reward you for that. Absolutely. So, join us on Patreon. Absolutely. So, until next time, I'm John Stom. I'm Danny Gula. I'm Jeff Magella. See ya.